Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. I'm your host today, Tina Winchester, and I'm joined by the wonderful Heather Gibson. And Heather is a mental health advocate and the founder of the Live Life Limitless movement, empowering people to make positive choice to put mental health first. Hi, Heather. Hello. How are you, Tina? Great, thanks. We're thrilled to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. It's been a pleasure to meet you already, so... I know we're going to have lots to talk about because we've already spoken for 20 minutes yes. before we got started. So, And your story is really interesting. And it's your story and the work that you're doing now that we are most interested in here at CDC. So if I can just ask you just to tell us a little bit about yourself um, so that we can kind of get some kind of an idea of where your story starts. Yes, and I think if we could start with just for the for the, for the listeners to this podcast, just to put it into some context for you, because mental health is a very important issue, but it's sometimes a question that I get asked a lot is, you know, how do I know, Heather, if I have a mental health issue? It's not necessarily something you're always going to immediately recognise, and it's also not something that you may find it comfortable to go to a doctor to talk about, but you may be suffering in some way. And the way I'd like you to be thinking about it as I talk about my story and the lived experience and the, and the sort of recovery from that is three questions for you. And the first one is, where were you in October 2008, September, October 2008, which is when the GFC started the global financial crisis um, and that was the day roughly I think it was around mid-September that Lehman Brothers collapsed in in London and I want you to think about precisely where you were at that moment and I would like to try you to contextualize your life at that point okay so maybe you were still wanting a family, you hadn't started a family, maybe you um, had all of your family members in your life, maybe you were in a relationship, maybe you were coming out of one and so on and so forth. I want you to take three or four seconds just to remember where you were and what life looked like for you at that time and then I want you to spring yourself straight back to right now. And what I'd like you to do is think about all that has happened to you as a human being in those 10 years. And you know, that, that could be anything from really, really good things to really, really quite devastating things. And then what I'd like you to do is put put a line there and just hark back to the past 10 or 10, 11 years we're talking about really uh, to your professional life. And I want you to think about all that has happened to you in whatever realm of work choice you are in, whether you're running your own business, whether you're a founder, whether you're a leader, whether you're in an organization, whether you're an employee. And I just want you to take a moment to look back on that trajectory. Because then my next question for you is, what does the word trauma mean to you? Now, I've just said that word, and I want you to try to think about what has just come into your mind at that point. It may be an image of a horrific accident, plane crash. It may be thoughts of extreme abuse. It may be something quite horrific and the subtext is there that it is something that 
has not yet and therefore may not ever happen to me. And in the course of this podcast, one of the things that I want to challenge um, and make you get, get you to think about is the place of trauma in your life, particularly in regards to the first question that I asked you, because I'm going to be talking to, to you today amongst the mental health issues that I have faced about something called PTSD which is post-traumatic stress disorder, which in my case came on very, very devastatingly to my mental health and my physical health as the result of the accumulation of a number of big life events, but not what might otherwise be seen in conventional terms as trauma. And I hasten to add too that I am not a military veteran. Okay, so we're going to <laughs> yeah. dispel some, some myths around trauma. Yeah. And then my final question before I sort of get into the, the bit more about me is do you, our listeners, want something different right now? Now, that is a question that I ask at pretty much all of the engagements and meetings that I do. And I can assure you that I get a 100% hands in the air, light of the eyes moment. Yes, Heather, I do want something different. And that is A-OK. Uh, often this is then um, explained a bit more, shall we say, as being, yeah, I do want something different, Heather, but I'm not quite sure what it is. But there's a heck of a lot of things I don't quite understand going on in the world. I'm feeling quite overwhelmed. Yeah, I want something different. And here is where it comes to me and being the founder of Live Life Limitless, which is a movement to empower every person in the world to choose positive and make the choice to put mental health number one. And it is based, it's a brain training technique and it's a holistic approach to improving mental health uh, based on my lived experience through recovery from anxiety, depression and PTSD. Um, and it is founded on six mantras and I have evolved those into a series of services relating to um, workshops where we do group discussions and um, look at brain training for mental health in group workshop formats where I coach individuals one-to-one -one through uh, the Live Life Limitless Health and Wellness Coaching Program and where I go and speak at events and, and connect really with as many people as I can to really share my story um, and and inspire. And what I what I probably want to to say here is that you can't see me at the moment, um, but I'm the embodiment of live life limitless. And what I need to contextualize for you is that my my breakdown in mental health and my journey to recovery to sit before the beautiful Tina today took place between the ages of 40 and 43, so three years. So you had, sorry to interject, so you had nothing prior? I, well, I had the accumulation, but in terms of where my actual breakdown okay, took so the place. the pivotal moment. Yeah, is the, it? the pivotal yeah. point of my world falling apart yeah. on the back of cumulative traumas was around the age of 40. Mm -hmm. And at the age of 43, which is where I am now, I sit before you today as a competitive fitness model and bodybuilding athlete who has uh, competed in five competitions here in Brisbane and I've achieved five podium finishes. Now, there is a lot more there in terms of the strength of the, my mindset, in terms of outcomes and the resilience and really the performance um, elevation of my 
perception of what I'm capable of that goes behind that. But a lot of what you can't see is some of the physicality of me. And between that ages of 40 and 43, um, yes, there's been a massive physical transformation, but it has been through putting my mental health first that I've been able to achieve something, not being an athlete, not even really being um, coached properly before the age of 40. I often say the story and, and in fact, do a lot of work around the physical um, the physical performance of squats, particularly bodyweight squats, and I believe body's weight, you know, squat a lot is good for good mental health, but my friends, I couldn't squat before I was 40 years old. So to get in condition to compete at the level that I want to compete at, um, I've taught myself to squat. You know, I've bought myself through into things that I didn't even really know I couldn't do to learn what I'm capable of to then want it so much that I've honed the ability to get my incremental achievement where I feel that I'm constantly pushing my mental limits and to live my life limitlessly. And I know that this is all possible for you, whatever it is you would like to achieve and create and do in your life um, and and want to help people to get Fantastic. there. Have you always been competitive? Has that been part of your personality, do you think, to to, to do everything you possibly can to, to be the best version of yourself or to reach a certain level? Is that you? Yes, and I think that's probably where I can give you a bit of a trajectory in terms of the before mm. and the after. So it got before being before I was kind of consciously aware of my mental health and it broke down to, to where I am today. And the answer is yes. I mean, I'm one of three children. I'm the eldest child. Um, and I think I was even the first grandchild on both sides of my family. And so I was always um, innately a born leader. So I've always been described as a born leader, a natural leader, and I always wanted to take leadership roles. And at school, I, you know, I, I don't think I was a good student. I have I was a smart kid, but um, you know I was always involved in in student councils and so forth. And in university, took on a few different um, roles within my respect my professional um, body. Um, and but in my career, I suppose my, the first part of my career, I studied human resources and I became a human resources professional and the long and short of it was that I moved to the UK when I was 23 and spent really the formative part of my HR career there and I became a HR director before the age of 30. But just as I was turning 30, my career changed. I had wanted something different from, from HR. I wanted to keep pushing myself and I felt that I needed a challenge that was so great that it was beyond the um, – traditional career, career trajectory of being an HR professional and I became an editor. Um, I actually moved into a role that was initially a, a consultant so that's a huge career change um, and very about a year or so after doing that um, the great mentor of my life who I'd met in, in, in as part of this change process um, a man called Chris Shepherdson who I'm who I'm enormously grateful for having in my life saw in me something that I felt was always there mm. and he gave me this chance to be you know a front-facing editor and so began an amazing journey in London of, of, of you know being an editor of a hospitality magazine and really living a very high-flying mm. life where I was you know in five-star hotels the best restaurants of London 
and kind of um, doing a lot of discussion and engagement and feature interviews with people um, that were running those establishments and I learned a lot. Um, and then I and then what really happened um, is the GFC. So when I asked the question before about uh, where were you on the day the GFC happened, well, I was in London and mm -hmm. actually part of that very high-flying world. We were we were doing a huge launch event that day and, and there was Lehman Brothers collapsing and you can imagine the sort of conversations that was going on. So I'm someone that can very squarely look Tina and, and everybody else in the eye and say, you know, the world changed that day. Right. And ever since then, um, not only did I go on a massive journey to build my entrepreneurial skill set to help Chris rebuild that entire business model, but I really saw the world change and understood from that point that there was something deeper inside of me that I wanted and I wanted to keep pushing myself. Um, and I suppose, is it, is it all right if I kind of give some indication then of... Oh, of, absolutely. Um, yeah, go for it. So what what happened was that you can imagine working in that sort of scene of London was a 300% effort. Um, I very much operated in the work bubble. My work was everything. So yes, I was always motivated, driven, wanting to push myself. And I absolutely did do that. And we did very, very well. And I, you know, had a great career and always have done. And I think that's probably one of the first things is that my career was very successful. Um, at the same time, uh, what was going on behind the scenes was very different mm, in my personal a life. Sorry? You were paying a price. Uh, yes, yeah. I was. And this is where I'd like my listeners to this podcast to really start to think about some of the parallels for them. Remembering that trauma is not necessarily one big bang thing. It builds up. And I really want you to be conscious of that listening to this podcast because then we're going to be getting into thoughts around stress and the toll that that can take. So to give you the main headlines of the things going on behind the scenes in this time of my life was um, that my mother, my, my mother died when she was 54 of advanced ovarian cancer. Uh, and very about a year or so after that, I then found out that I carried the same genetic mutation, the BRCA1 genetic mutation that she had. Um, and at that point, I'd had one child, my, my only child, Max, as it turns out. Um, and so began quite an intensive focus on the question of what on earth I would be doing about being diagnosed as BRCA1 and whether I would have life-changing surgeries to stop and basically significantly reduce the risk of getting that cancer. And the whole time that this is going on, I lived in an extremely challenging personal relationship, one characterised by um, alcohol dependence and also financial insecurity for the, for the whole time. And I was the breadwinner in my relationship uh, for, well, in, a, in, the, in, in the many, many years we were together, uh, most of that time. And that, that was something that um, created feelings of um, shame in me, I think, and also that I just couldn't tell anybody about this. But equally, um, 
I didn't even recognize that this would be something at, on the back of all the other things that are, you know, that sort of subsequently happened that would in any way harm my health. Right. Because I was doing so great and I always had my job. Mm. I could always go into London and be in the scene. And I was using mental mantras at that point to really suppress a lot of my stress, actually, in hindsight. And then what happened was we moved back to Australia when my son was very small. And here is the point at which my life starts to unravel mm -hmm. and ultimately completely falls apart because I've stepped off the work bus into a bit of an unknown world. I certainly was not prepared for really what was going to happen next. And what actually happened, bearing in mind what I've shared already, was that when we got back to Australia, I was diagnosed with a sight-threatening and chronic eye condition, and I nearly went blind. So so that then began a very, very traumatic experience, just the whole thing of the cost of it, the treatment, was I going to go blind? What would it be like to lose sight in one eye? My son was three years old, etc., etc. So this was out of the blue and awful. And it's a disease called white dot syndrome. It's very rare, but the reason I mention it is because it's a disease of inflammation. So at that point, I became very concerned about the role of inflammation in one's health. Right. And I imagine that there'll be many listeners cognizant of inflammation and trying to do things around inflammation. But here's a bit of a real life, and in my case, I believe hindsight, of one of the consequences of really all of my suppressed stress. Mm -hmm. Now, that illness may have always going to be happening to me, but the fact it happened at that time to me was like, you can imagine, Tina, it yeah. was absolutely devastating. It was um, scary as anything and it was a massive wake-up call. And that's what then made it very, very simple for me because I – the choice between going blind in one eye and having another child, it became actually quite simple for me to have my, my surgeries to prevent getting breast or ovarian cancer, which I did here in Brisbane at the Royal Brisbane Hospital under the amazing care of the staff and the uh, all, all the clinical staff and the care staff there. And that in itself became quite simple, but equally it was just another trauma. So when we think about what I've told you so far, my life is spiraling at this point. And we often talk about hitting rock bottom. Well, for me, it was like, how many times does one hit rock bottom in one day? So again, this was for me in hindsight, the consequence of not dealing with and confronting and being cognizant really of my mental health. Can I ask um, at that stage, if you're willing to share some of the symptoms and signs that you can look back on now and say, there were signs that I should have picked up on or I could have picked up on that were saying, Heather, you're not doing so well. You know, because we, we white knuckle through these kind of we things. Do. We tend to white knuckle or find things that we think are coping strategies when in fact they can be detrimental or, or you know, just deny the fact that we are not doing so well with our mental health. So what particular signs and symptoms can you look back on and think I could with the knowledge of picked up on that then? And I think you've actually hit all the nails on the head, but to give you the the high level, we're talking about mental health. So I've explained some of the physical consequences, but here's what it's like. And the number one thing is I was hiding in the work bubble. Mm. So I was using work and particularly the very structured routine full-time work to hide away from my personal 
circumstances. And what that meant was that I was so quote unquote busy um, with that and then really busy when I was at home doing other things that I never actually had time to stop and think about what was going on. And that propelled me through many, many years, Tina, of this kind of suppression. Mm. So it was a lot of denial. And what I then started to find is maybe I didn't quite have that buffer because, you know, in say a 10 to 15 year trajectory, you're not always able to kind of be busy. Whenever I had alone time, I would become very frightened Mm -hmm. and I actually, it would all start to come to me. Um, Maybe if I spelt out in my mind a conversation with my parents who would have had no idea what was going on, they may have suspected, I never never shared it, Um, but I would start to become very, very frightened. And in the time that I explained um, some of the circumstances of my relationship, there were one or two people who um, may have uh, become aware of um, some of the um, issues going on behind the scenes and whenever it was pushed, are you, oh, in fact, at one point I was straight out asked, are you frightened? My answer was yes and I was so frightened at saying yes to that question. Yeah. So the point that and I, I exited and I never saw that person again and that was really just complete running away from my issues. And then when I was at work in the work bubble and so focused on work and giving 300% and never taking time for myself to do any form of self-care mm. and And I don't define here, guys and girls, as going to the gym as your self-care, and I'll come on to that in a moment. But um, no time for self-care, actually living in in a very scarcity mindset because of some of the financial insecurities anyway. So I was just pushed down. But you know what the biggest thing that I want you as our listeners to be thinking about is that this period of time for me was a time where I knew I was not being in alignment with my true self, Mm. that I was not really me, even though I was achieving amazing career results and earning a good, very good wage and had a house and had a mortgage and, you know, had stability in that regard, I knew I was not really living my authentic life. And in the end, it was those seemingly simplistic sounding things that when when it came time for that to bite me in the bum, I paid a huge, huge price. So part of the uh, mental health trajectory, and and I see and believe this is the case for a lot of people, that we hide in our little bubbles and don't address the issues. And when it comes to looking at mental health and where I am, so so just briefly what happened to finish off my story is I had the chronic heart condition, I had the surgeries, I'm in the spinning cycle of rock bottom, I'm never getting off. And it's at that point that I basically walked out of my marriage uh, once and for all and I had the um, support of my family around me really to be able to make that all happen. And I always say that that is the moment my whole world fell apart as I knew it. And that piece there is quite relatable for everybody. Mm. So I've had a lot happen to me that's very unique, but the loss of a relationship, everyone gets that. And please, you know, that's probably – it was very much the right thing, but that was where um, I just became totally um, impacted by now I call back to the PTSD. I was literally flattened. What that felt like was that I was on the floor, could not get up, 
I could not emotionally connect even with my child for a very long time, just couldn't get in the room and my body was going into shutdown. And I've heard a lot of people talk about this, that click the fingers, that's the moment, Mm. it's just all too much and I checked out. And so began my mental health breakdown. And that's not to say... Uh, by the way, that I was not in the gym training, losing weight, starting to look good. And that's when, in fact, that, you know, I started to get an idea that fitness was going to become part of my journey, which leads me into saying to you that when you start to think about what I've spoken about, again, these are these are big life events. Yes, the loss of a parent, the loss of a relationship, these are big life Mm. events and in hindsight it was the accumulation of those traumatic events that resulted in my PTSD and and really I it is something that I've paid a huge price for but obviously now I've on the back of it Mm. had the massive Harry the massive inspiration and moment to to develop now into post-traumatic yes exactly and did you have an admission to hospital did it get that bad no I'm and that's probably another piece there so so this is the part about physical fitness and mental health. Now, Live Life Limitless is a holistic mental health and wellness um, program as such. But I became very fit during this time and fitness became my my solace and I, my physique changed dramatically and I have um, now got, you know, a good physique. And at the time that, that this breakdown was going on, I also had some very significant financial traumas and that was the point I actually became suicidal. And suicidal um, really pushed me to the bottom of the jar was the moment that the financial, I suppose, issues um, of, of the divorce and so forth started to hit me and that was the moment I went and sought medical treatment. So I, I felt at that point, okay, I need to see a counsellor I, I didn't, or a psychologist um, and I need to just get some help. And I presented into my doctor and into my GP um, to to ask for that um, referral, basically. I was needed to go through the public health. And the long and short of it, and, and look, I have an amazing GPs around me now, but just at that time in that context, um, the, the feedback I got from that GP was that the mental health plan that she would need to have prepared would have taken an hour of her time. She didn't really have that time and that, you know, I was doing well with my physical fitness and really I should just go away and, you know, it, it, she did it very nicely, but she said, you know, because I am a very smart, intelligent, high achieving person, I think this is something that can happen to a lot of us. It's like, you're not as bad as perhaps the person next That's to you. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. It? Well, that is, and that is a message for everybody. And, and I think that, um, Sure, perhaps I could have pushed and said, no, I've but just shared. But we are at our most vulnerable. <laughs> you know, we, it's so hard to just say that we're having these problems, let alone have to push for the right kind yes. of care. Did you change GP? Um, I, I have a different GP yeah. now and he he's awesome and he's amazing. Um, still at the same clinic but but just – and that doctor's no longer there. Um, and, look, I was significantly underweight at that point and, and was really kind of not eating enough. Mm. So I was presenting whilst I was – fit my physique was very very lean so look I feel like it where I got to with it was that even when I was having my never knew the rock bottom the breakdown Mm. falling off the cliff in the to the point where my life fell apart 
what I wanted to say to you as our listeners is that I always had a fight inside me, mm. a fight that was, yes, partly because I'm the mother to a small child at that point and still am and a single mother at that at that point um, and I was going to do whatever it took for him. But the fight inside me was more than that mm. and it was the fight that I, I knew I never wanted to give up and it was the cognizance that for the years prior I knew I wasn't me and that mm. I had so much more to give and that I was a got you know, I was pretty smart check and you know I, I I then was able to understand and I'd started to get into my emotional healing and I could see that all of these things were happening to me for a reason so even that GP episode and the reason I share it is because there you know I have I have great faith in our health system and I've been treated beautifully by the by the times that I've, I've had access to the to the surgeries mm. and so forth um, but what I want to say to you in Live Life Limitless and my lived experience is that my brain training techniques that I put in place from there to give Live Life Limitless is now what brings me to the current day. And I ended up overcoming my issues through um, through this process. And what I want to say to you um, on, on that note is that I was physically fit. I, I, I was um, looking and my physique looked mm. good as such. And what I want to say to you is that mental health is like going to the gym, but it's not the same as going to the gym. So to choose positive and make the choice to put mental health number one, I want you training. I want you becoming physically fit. That's what we will do and that's what needs to happen as we start to invest in our health. However, investment in mental health is on top of that and the best starting point for this is practicing gratitude five five to 15 minutes every day just start training your brain to do that now there has been recent very recent studies around the practice of gratitude in terms of lowering um incidences of suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation 21 days i think the latest study suggests that practicing gratitude in one way shape or form can lessen suicidal ideation mm. i mean it's really powerful and yet people think it's just a simple task of saying oh, okay well today i'm grateful i've got running water and a flushing toilet and i get to go um you know at least i've got a job but it's much more than that it is and you, you again you're hitting the nails on the head god i'm so so i'm in such good hands here to our listeners with tina thank you um and the first thing is just touching on suicide because i've shared that i i was suicidal for for a a good period of time in my mental health breakdown and what I what I want to say to you is to reiterate that I always knew that I had a fight inside me that was even beyond my own child and that my suicidal thoughts when I did have them were in my dark dark moments and I always woke up the next day beyond that suicidal ideation so I I would say that that you are not alone particularly if you're in a dark place of darkness and thinking in suicidal terms and please start to listen to people like me who've been there and then in terms of gratitude what I want you to do and we can do it right now as we're doing this podcast is to when you're practicing your gratitude to think yes in terms of three things in the last day 24 hours right now that you're grateful for and I want it not to be your partner, your children, your pets, the obvious things around you in terms of material possessions, maybe your house, your new house, whatever it might be. I want you to actually go into the connections and the interactions that you've had today with other human beings, and I mean even strangers on the street, even the people that made you your cup of coffee today, and I want you to think about the connection you had because you're impacting and they're impacting you 
all of the time. And the beautiful thing about practicing gratitude is that if you can force yourself and train your brain to make sure it's different each and every day, eventually what happens is your mindset elevates. And we talk about elevation a lot with Live Life Limitless. Your mindset elevates to a place where all of a sudden you start to see your uniqueness and your amazing humanity that you bring to this world. And that is that is just, even now I'm saying that and I'm getting goosebumps and I can remember the moment that that feeling came to me um, because I was, you know, just coming out of depression and so forth and I practiced gratitude in my bed every morning. I was looking out at a very beautiful, another beautiful sunny day here in Brisbane. Um, very easy to be grateful to live in this amazing city every day, but we move beyond <laughs> we move beyond that. But believe me, as someone that did live in London for 16 years, I, I am very, very lucky to live here in Brisbane. But um, the point I would say there is, there was a moment of clarity where I understood the power of gratitude and I understood that I had something to give and that people would want what it was I had to give. And even now, I live in a state of recovery from mental health. You're never recovered, my friends. And so brain training for mental health is something that is a sustainable um, practice throughout the rest of your life. But even more so, because as I've explained, mental health really is the modern uh, PTSD, post-GFC, generational mental health issue that we have, it is more than likely something that you can relate to and or have someone in your life being relatable to. Therefore, mental health must become number one. Okay. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you could be the CEO of an organization, you could be the founder of a, an organization, you could be absolutely anybody. Your mental health is precious, whether you have a diagnosed issue or not, whether you suspect you have a mental health issue or not, or just whether you're concerned for looking after your mental health in the same way you may be concerned for your physical health. It needs investment now to safeguard you, particularly from the realm of increasing overwhelm in our world. Mm, so okay. go back to where we started, GFC. The GFC was in and of itself a trauma, okay? Wherever you were, whatever you were doing, that moment was a definitive moment for our generation because the, the world changed that day. We're still reaping all of the consequences of it and we will be for generations to come. Not then to mention the the kind of scaling down of what that meant in your world of work. And in particularly if you're a leader, just think about the energy and the commitment and the sorts of change that you've had to navigate your way through to get you where you are. And then think about the oh-so-complex world of our lives that we all live in and the traumas and so forth that things can happen we don't expect. And that is where I then want you to start to think about you and your alignment, okay? So the great outcome of putting mental health first, whether you are – consider yourself somebody that has an issue or not, is your alignment, your ability to get into flow between your heart and your mind to create an authentic and integrity-focused you that will get you, you know, to live your life limitless wherever you are. And that is what I want for you. When I set my business up, even uh, even before I had kind of completely crystallized Live Life Limitless as the brain training technique, it was all about the give back because I knew that everybody and I know now, everybody even more so, has the opportunity to create the possibilities they want in the hearts of their hearts, okay, um, to live their most authentic life, to actually succeed in spite of overwhelm and to improve overall health and well-being. 
So I'm, I'm not sure how about our timeframes here, but one of the things that I'll often say with regards to my physical fitness, because a lot of people get caught up with this and I can help you through my services to um, really hone incremental achievement in physical fitness to create the right mental health um, approach to training. Um, but when I was doing my initial fitness regime, you know, honestly, I never thought about my physical appearance. And yet here I am, I've lost about 20 kilos, I think, and all of the things you can imagine to become a bodybuilder and build muscle and all that sort of stuff. But I honestly never thought about that. I was so busy going through the traumas of my life that I used it as my consistency. So we always say that fitness is consistency, consistency is truth. That's why we need fitness for our mental health because it's your consistency just for you, whether you are a mum, a single mum, a breastfeeding mum, whether you are a leader, a CEO or a business owner, we need physical fitness every day, just um, different variations, um, particularly if you're lifting weight, you don't want to be lifting weight every day. But um, yeah, so so physical fitness is, is important, but honestly, your mental health is number one and it's about understanding how to hone incremental achievement, how to really get in the zone of self-love, self-compassion, mm. gratitude, non-judgment. So tell us then, Heather, because I'm conscious of time, I'd like to maybe ask you to, in terms of your own self-care for mental health, can you give some examples of the things that you do throughout a day from the minute you open your eyes that contributes to your own self-care and to good mental health? Yes. And first of all, I'll get up and I'll consciously get in the zone. And the getting in the zone is love, compassion, gratitude, and non-judgment. So I'm mentally cleansing my thought and putting on the eyes of love and compassion. And I mean it in exactly those words, in exactly that language. And that is what I, that is part of the brain training. I then will always, um, coffee is a massive part of my life, but whatever sort of hot drink you might have. And I'll always practice gratitude at that mm -hmm. point with coffee. Mindfulness. Mindfulness, yeah. and I, I make my, and I, and I do it, and I, I sort of don't think about it now so much. Yeah. But if you're not doing it, you, you know, you may need to do it. Yeah. Um, and then I will train my physical fitness. Um, so I'm an AM trainer um, most days, as because I believe for me personally to maintain my mental health throughout the day, um, training AM helps. Now. What I want to say to you is, again, I reiterate, I live in a state of recovery um, and I am conscious of what we call triggers and triggers actually for recurrence of mental health can happen at any point during the day um, and I believe by training physical fitness, releasing all of the sort of hormones and the serotonin, I'm, I'm elevated to be able mm. to commence my day. Being a business owner, I deal with probably my, my job job as such is five different jobs, six different jobs in one day. So I'm constantly having to reframe. Um, and then I will just focus in on every interaction every day. Um, what I would say to you is the big takeaway probably here is that when I'm triggered or when I become low, and honestly, if people in mental health recovery and overcoming, you you will probably be able to relate to this. You must learn to align and realign again. So when in any day I feel triggered, I will actually have to stop what I'm doing, go and either sit in my car, if I can, or come home, and I will realign. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I'd like you to think about in terms of a takeaway apart from the gratitude, the training, and the thinking around your physical fitness is learn to rest 
even when you don't feel tired. Now, I know that there'll be some resistance to people listening to that, but we need to unlearn the busy mantra when it comes to investing in mental health, no matter who you are. Learn to rest when you are not tired because that will help you to realign when you are feeling triggered, down, scared. How and do you realign? How what do you is it self-talk? Is it meditation? It's a semi-meditative state. I have brain training mantras that I will constantly repeat to myself. Um, I will check in consciously that my values are intact. If I've had a a negative interaction or something where I feel a bit insecure, I, I'll always say, are my values aligned? Am I living my purpose? But the actual meditative element of realignment is to actually get into the habit of then when you do sit down, lie down to rest when you're not tired, is just at the point where you're about to maybe drift off, your mind will start to work. Your subconscious starts to come to the fore. And what I would want you to do at that point, there's your process for realignment because the answer's always right there. Okay, your subconscious is there for you. Okay, it's giving you the answers all of the time. One of the great opportunities to put mental health first, apart from strength, resilience, and performance thinking, is to become the real you. And this is the process, this constant time out and investment in mental health, even if it's just for one or two minutes, getting yourself out of the physical environment Mm -hmm. you're in and just just really consciously elevating your thinking. So if you're doing it for one or two minutes, do it with values and your purpose and dream in line. If you can and if it's on different days where you're able to, sit down, go away, have a cup of coffee, even lie down on a sofa or a bed and just just lie there, okay? Now, you've got part of the in the zone of self-love and self-compassion is this is going to come at the expense of, you know, some of our um, perceived obligations and the suffering and silence we do, particularly if we have children involved where we feel that we need to, uh, you know, uh, consciously always put their needs first. Now, I'm sorry, as a mother, I do understand the pressure that we are under here as mums and I'm, I'm on your side here, but you know what I mean, ladies and gentlemen too. You know that this is right and I and I understand that. So I'm challenging you to think in those terms for the purposes of putting your mental health number one. You're an amazing human being. You're unique with incredible qualities to give to this world yet unknown. You will keep evolving to live your life limitlessly. You are not alone if you have mental health issues or suspect you have mental health issues. And even if you don't, choose positive and make the choice to put your mental health first because it really is the gift that keeps on giving and it is the gateway to living the life of your dreams. Where where do you want to take um, live life limitless too. Where's yes. your where you, the bigger picture? So I know it's incre- you know it'll be incremental. There'll be steps to take, but where in your mind is your ultimate goal? I'm I'm in the arena. You know I'm in a, it's it's sellout arena to the world movement. And the reason that I know that that's what I want and what's possible is because this message resonates to everybody, and I know how powerful it is. And I'm talking about children. Developed countries, undeveloped countries, schools, people with drug and alcohol issues, carers, particularly of those people. Carers are a separate genre in themselves. Um, Leaders and CEOs, men, you know, people that feel that they can't change to become aligned and to live authentically. Here is a way to reframe and retrain your brain to actually make it okay. Because you know what? Health is the game changer. Human health supersedes 
the future of work. It supersedes other things, the overwhelm and even the GFC fallout. Human health is the issue for everybody. Put your mental health first and you will start to be able to see the results come for the rest of your life. Very well said. So, Heather, how can people find out more about your movement? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Heather Gibson too, or at Live Life Limitless Group, and you can connect with me uh, on LinkedIn on Heather Gibson too, and I'm also uh, on Facebook. There's a couple of pages for me, or you can connect. Come and be my friend on Facebook. I'm going to start putting a lot more out there and doing some work to build my Facebook following quite well. Be- Partly because, again, Tina, you've hit the nail on the head. This message can resonate and help to anybody. If you know anybody that would benefit from listening to this podcast, if you want to connect with me, get in touch because I'm all about the connection. Thank you so, so much, guys. Oh, an absolute pleasure. And if there's anything we can do from the Career Development Centre to support you, you just reach out. Yes, and you're doing amazing, amazing things. And I've signed your petition. Yay. Thank so, you, Heather. Thank you and well done. And I hope, hope we get that over the line for you. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.